Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Good evening. It's a full house tonight. Welcome to the Anglo-Italian pod. It's Monday night. It's been an incredible weekend of football. Lots to get through. As always, I am joined by my very good friends, Adam and Andy. And we have friend of the show back. It's been a while. Piero Mingoya. How are we doing, Piero? I'm all well, thank you. Good to have you back, guys. Are we ready to talk Serie A? It was a, quite an exciting yeah. weekend, I think. Adam, what were the first headlines we're going to be looking at in Serie A? What caught your Ooh, eye? I mean, there's a few headlines. Um, I want to talk about Rasmus, who uh, is litting it up for Atalanta. He seems to be the next Haaland. If he could just finish a few of those chances, then uh, boy, have we got a talent that could uh, maybe do something for Milan and maybe Piero might... Uh, enlighten us if he thinks he's the man to replace Leal whenever he eventually decides to move on um, but Basharito as well we have to speak about the farmer our favourite right. farmer down at Lecce he's uh, getting rumours of uh, being called up to the Italian squad so we've got to talk about that as well but there has been a few bangers as well uh, Daniele Verdi for uh, Empoli that was an incredible second goal so I won't spoil it we will talk about it though for sure there is lots to cover. And Piero, you were in Milan recently, right? You were in this great city. What were you doing here? I just popped over um, on the weekend to watch the game. Milan-Torino. Nice. So we'll be getting a first-hand view of Milan finally getting back to winning ways. It was looking a bit dodgy, but they got it done. Andy, how have you been, mate? We need to welcome you to the show. How are we doing? Yeah, not too bad. Had a chilled weekend. I got Gateshead promoted to League Two on Football Manager. So that was a, <laughs> well, that was my that was my big, that was my big achievement of the weekend. But after that, caught up on some uh, obviously caught up on Premier League watching Leeds United versus Man United yesterday. Uh, saw save of the week save of the weekend from a non goalkeeper at Empoli. So, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> some great goalkeeping and bar madness. Uh, but after that, it's been um, yeah, it's been good. Very nice. Well, we're going to start in Italy. And I think, Piero, there's only one one place to start, seeming as you were there. Let's start at the San Siro as Milan faced Torino. 
and they finally got back to winning ways. How relieved with you were you? And how are Milan turning a corner? Are they over the hump? I think it might be too early to say. It was a relief because of the result. But actually being there and watching the performance firsthand, I actually probably left more worried, uh, in all honesty. Because they were way off it. Completely, yeah, it was it was horrible to watch. Torino, by far the better team. Mm. By a mile. And what do you think it is that's going wrong at Milan at the minute? We've talked about it a bit and it feels like Pioli's influence is fading a bit. The players seem to be kind of losing interest. What do you, like, as a kind of ex-pro, what do you see on the pitch looking and what do you think the issues are? I think the other day was more confusion than anything else. He's trying to play a free at the back. Um, but you can't just flip that in a week or two. Mm-hmm. People that play free at the back is kind of, they're almost specialist managers. That that's all they do. Um, so it becomes a five at the back. So then you're just camped in, and it happened against Inter in the first half. Happened again against, against Torino. So yeah, it just looks like first of all the down period is understandable because of three years of the same players performing at an incredible level. Um, but now him changing the formation and stuff, I think it's adding to a bit of confusion. And I think it could take a while for them to actually understand it. They might get results, don't get me wrong. Um, but to see it working fluidly, I, I can't see that happening anytime soon. And have you had it in your career where a manager, because it feels like a bit of a panic move from purely where it's like, okay, we just need to try something different, right? It doesn't really matter what it is, just something different. Have you had that happen in your career and how... Like, do the players see the warning signs? Are they like, oh, this guy's this guy's struggling a bit? Yeah, it just it just takes away that stability and that consistency. So, like, now you've got mm. Leal playing up front with Giroud. Um, you've got Hernandez, which, if, if they played it well, would be perfect as a wing-back. But because they don't really... Well, they haven't worked on it really that much. He ends up playing as a, basically a fifth defender. And mm-hmm. if anyone's seen Teo Hernandez, it's probably the one thing he can't do, which is defend. So now it's basically we're keeping him there to defend and it's the one thing he can't do. So it's just kind of, it's just not fitting at the moment. But, but yeah, it, it, it was, it was bad to watch. It was, I was, I went home raging. <laughs> damn, damn. So maybe de- well it doesn't sound like you're over the hump but Adam what did you make of Torino in this performance we said this was a big opportunity mm. for them we went back to 1984-85 was the last time they could get it done <laughs> they're going to have to wait another year what did you make of Torino they're still looking like they could push a little bit right I think they will push into that kind of higher echelons of that table at the moment and um yeah, like Piero kind of called out, uh, Wilfred Singo and Adapo in particular in that kind of middle seem to have really good games. Uh, Sanabria as well had a few opportunities. Um, he had one from distance and there was one where Simon Kier kind of almost lost the ball in his kind of defensive duties. And um, if it wasn't for Tatarasano, who we've been saying he's been one of the best, better players, should we say, for Milan recently. Um, if he hadn't acted, it could have been a penalty scenario. And again, Torino were just unlucky. It was just that little bit of edge, I think. And I think it was just a nervous win, as like Piero alludes to. Um, I thought, in fairness, though, Diaz seemed to have a better game, certainly in the middle of the pitch. And um, 
for me, Kalulu, he seemed to sweep up really well. Um, he's just proving to be an even better player. He seems to be growing every season that I see him now. Um, but also Marcel Tiao, who's just been bought in recently, I think, to just fill in that gap. We're starting to see maybe he needs a bit more of a shot re- more recently. Um, he's been proving his worth and he could be a hell of a defender. He looks like he's got the attributes to be even better in time. Um, but back to Torino, I think Juric can feel a bit gutted about the result itself because I don't know necessarily if they deserve to lose that. But um, yeah, I think Torino, based on the last few results leading up to this game, I think there's nothing to worry about. I think, you know, if you told him at the beginning of the season, you might lose one against Milan, but win one in Turin, I think he would have taken it. So not a bad season so far for Torino. And I'm sure Juric will still go out there and prove some doubters wrong. So what about you, Rory? Yeah, I was, I, as I said, I've been impressed by Torino um, so far. And I I did really want them to get something here. Sorry, Piero, because I really wanted the European race to open up a bit. I think this win for Milan is huge because it does just mm. kind of give them a kick back down again and keep that bit of distance. We're seeing elsewhere in the table that bigger gaps have suddenly closed. So maybe there's still time for that to happen. But I feel like Torino, yeah, ultimately unlucky. But a team that like in the next few years, if they keep with Juric and keep... Like a lot of these players are quite young. They're a team that mm. could like progress much further than they're doing now. So yeah, exciting really, times there. But Milan scrape the win. Scrape the win. Mm. Um sorry, Andy, I cut you off. Yeah, I was just saying, I think the one thing that Torino are lacking is sort of like an out and out goal scorer. I think mm-hmm. they, they could do worse than just bring Belotti back and forget that year in Roma ever happened. Uh, <laughs> I think they'd both this, like to be able yeah, to forget I think I, I wouldn't surprise <laughs> if they do that because obviously their top scorer, you know, you've got uh, Vlasic and Sadabia with like four mm-hmm. goals in Serie A each this season, which isn't, you know, you'd expect some half of the season one of them to be near the double figures mark. And I think it's a little bit of, I think with Belotti as a target man, um, I think that would um but yeah, they could do a lot, lot worse to bring him back. But if they, if they can't bring him back in the summer, they're going to need to find a solution there somewhere. Because obviously, they're lucky. They're on negative goal difference. They're quite, I guess, they've done well to be seventh, considering mm-hmm. where they are. Give them a decent striker, and they you, they could go like full Atalanta next season. So. We can hope, but that's a very nice mm. tie-in, Andy. Thank you very much, because we need to go to Lazio, consistently inconsistent, as they <laughs> as they lose again at home, 2-0 Atalanta. And Adam, you kind of alluded to it. I just want to quickly say, I did not realise how quick Hoyland was. That clip mm. of him absolutely rinsing past the three, def- the three defenders. This is another game where he stole the headlines. Just how good is this guy and how good were Atalanta? I think we're starting to see why Atalanta kind of invested quite a lot of money into him because he obviously came with a lot of hype from Sturm Graz having that season. Um, it, it has taken him the best part of six months, though, to get adapted. But I think you're starting to see how he's kind of really making his mark. He's having an influence on the game. He seems a bit more comfortable with his like teammates around him. I mean, we've been talking about Lookman, for example, and how great mm-hmm. he's adapted so far and so quickly as well. But you've got kind of a really nice pace of attacking players with Atalanta. And um, Rory, I was just going to allude to the fact that don't ask me for predictions because I thought Lazio would win this one. And clearly I got that completely wrong. But the goals were there. I mean, Sapacosta's effort was incredible. And then 
Hoyland, that second goal was all about him because he forced that issue as well. And uh, Lukman kind of crosses it in and he's on the end of it. Um, mm-hmm. But it was a bad day for Lazio. Um, on another day, Immobile probably scores a hat-trick. Um, but when you look at the kind of shots, and I was looking at the XG as well, which was interesting, like Atalanta, despite the fact that they had less possession, they were the better in terms of chances created. They were more likely. You could even see it without the XG. You kind of look at the game and the highlights mm-hmm. itself. I mean, it was just incredible. So Atalanta just so hot and cold. I, I would just wish there was a more consistent Atalanta and then we'd, we'd be purring about their credentials. But fantastic. And sorry, must be kicking himself because these are the kind of games that you want to win if you want to cement like fourth place or at least be in the top four. And yeah, it's just... I don't know what it is about Sari. He just needs more clinical players, perhaps. I don't mm-hmm. know. I'll see what you there's, think as well. Yeah, there's going to be so many matches. I think when Lazio sit down and look at the end of the season, they're going to look at so many matches mm. and be like, Christ, we just just stupid points dropped. And they just just as it seems they get in momentum, it all falls apart and they just lose. And it feels like they're always just doing mm. this cycle. Like, Piero, what have you made of Lazio this year? I thought at one point they really looked like they were going to push on, but... They just can't get that consistency, right? Yeah, I agree with you. What you said, um, I thought at one point, like this is, this is Lazio is going to be one of Lazio's, Lazio's best seasons. Um, mm-hmm. But then it gets to that kind of crucial game where you want them to kind of get over that that obstacle, and they just fall short. So um, maybe it's a squad issue. You know, they need when you go towards the top, you need players that come on and make a difference, and it's showing with Milan. For example, that it, you might get away with it, but eventually you you can't keep relying on the same players, mm. and maybe that's for Lazio and even Roma to a certain extent. I hear Mourinho saying all the time that once two or three players get injured, that he doesn't re- really have any other options. So that's probably the gap between the top mm-hmm. teams in all leagues and the ones that just kind of get there and then just can't make that extra step up. Mm. Yeah, it's like so. Lazio now find themselves down in sixth place. The teams that are moving in that gap, I cannot keep up with it all mm. at the moment. Interrupt a second is still nil nil as they play Sampdoria, Atlanta third, Roma fourth, Milan fifth, Europa League, not Conference League, and Lazio down in sixth <laughs> in the Conference League at the moment. Um, Andy, what can we expect from Atalanta? They've now got three wins in the last five, only lost one. Do you think they can push Inter for the second spot? Possibly, yeah. I think if they can keep their best players fit, um, get over the games together, I think they'll they've got every chance. Because I think honestly, between um, second and fourth, um, it's open open season at the moment, and there's still a long, long way to go. So, yeah, I think they've absolutely got the capability of doing it. I think Inter have got a bit more in the tank for when the, the games start getting a bit more congested uh, in terms of more depth. I think maybe that's where it's have a bit of an advantage there. Um, but yeah, I think they're certainly in with a chance and, you know, with um, Juventus, um, obviously with their points deduction, it has opened up a gap that perhaps wasn't there before Christmas. Yeah, I think it is getting a little bit... Well, it's very tight, isn't it? It's very, very tight. But staying towards the top of the table, the VAR madness wasn't only in the Premier League, also (laughs) in Turin, as 
Juve get away with one. They narrowly beat Fiorentina 1-0. Um, Jovic, it was, right, was denied his last minute. No, Castrovilli, sorry, was denied Castrovilli. the late equaliser. Um, Piero, what did you make of this decision? The VAR seemed exceptionally tight on the offside. Yeah, it was it was silly tight. <laughs> um, but there's there's been a few. Juve and Juve have been on... It's always been Juve involved. Um, I think it was their goal. Was it disallowed a couple mm-hmm. of months ago? Yeah. Was it uh, Milik, I believe? Milik, yeah. 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 So maybe they need to check the cameras at the at, at Turin because it seems like <laughs> it's, always, it's always in that stadium that kind of it, it's the extremely tight ones or the mistakes end up happening. But mm. Juve, Juve just is basically what Allegri wants. One nil wins, clean sheets, um, result over performance. And I believe, I was looking earlier, I wouldn't be surprised if they end up catching Lazio. I think there's mm-hmm. only nine points mm-hmm. in it. And I can see Juve going on a little run of just grinding out results. Um, so yeah, Lazio, if they don't pick up, I can see Juve aiming for them. They're already one point away from seventh, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry, they'll they'll get another 20 points deduction. It'll be all ruined. (laughs) It'll be be perfectly timed. The second they catch up, they'll take the points away. Um, I I did see a thing that without the points deduction, Juve would now be second. Mm. Um, So they are still like, it is obviously they deserve the points deduction. They always do. But they are are (laughs) quietly quietly having a very good season. But they're never too far away. No matter what happens, they're always just in the background somewhere, lurking <laughs> over someone's shoulder. You can't get rid of them. Um, but I think a professional performance from Juve, another goal from Rabiot. Um, mm-hmm. It looked like it hadn't gone in, but it did get over the line. This guy's mm-hmm. having an incredible season. Um, Allegri said at 27, he's finally hit his maturity. Um, what do we think, Andy? Are you gutted United didn't get him now? No, still. Um... <laughs> Not change your mind, no? <laughs> no, no, no. I think uh, United have had enough sort of... Um interesting characters over the years and I don't think we needed to add to it <laughs> with uh, Rabio. but no I think the capability has always sort of been there he's mm-hmm. always had a very good sort of all-round game I think it's just um his own combustible personality along with his mum <laughs> you know the apple yeah. doesn't fall far from the tree and I think uh, maybe, maybe maybe this season I think he's just sort of sat down and gone look I need to make it work at Juve if I'm going to get a move elsewhere. Mm. He obviously didn't want to move to Manchester United. I think they've tried a couple of times now mm. and he's just not wanted to go there. So I think he's looking at it going, well, if, if, we're good, if we're going to want to progress my career, I just need to get my head down. And I think also the for the situation that Juventus, I think, has played into that. Pogba, um, as Adam, who so kindly tagged me in earlier, he has been um, unavailable uh, every single day. Uh, but he can go on skiing trips. Um, it's but, beyond the joke now, it honestly. Is, that that is I ridiculous. mean, to be honest, I was, I was going off topic. I was used to that when he was at Manchester United. He'd be like, right, he's out for three or four months. Oh, he could be back around Christmas. Oh, wait, no, he's not. He's in Dubai. Okay, then. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> you just get used to it after a while. But I think with oh. obviously, you know, Ramsey's contract got terminated. Pogs has been unavailable. Mm-hmm. Weston McKenney's been sold. Um, probably more for financial reasons because he probably could have still done mm. with the depth at the centre midfield. Mm-hmm. So I think what the financial situation at Juventus and the fact he's on his own uh, quite high wages, I think it's played into his favour a little bit because he's getting mm-hmm. quality game time week in and week out. Um, and that, you know, 
Uh, I think that's good for him, and that's going to be good for him, regardless of what happens to Juve in the next sort of month, 18, 18 months. Yeah, well, it's, it's kind of mad that he's got a massive shout of being Juve's player of the season. I can't think of any players. I never, really yeah, it was, there was yeah, yeah, the cards, was it? Uh, I'd be, I'd be <laughs> yeah. a player of the season. Like I said, I think if the financial situation at Juventus was a little bit better than it is at the moment, um, I think might be with have ideally have been moved on. And I think mm-hmm. by all accounts, Juventus would have been more than happy to take the money mm-hmm. for yeah. him. Um, yeah. But I think it's a marriage of convenience and they're making the most out of it. We'll, we'll see what happens in the summer. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll see how much of a fire sale takes place in Turin. But Adam, for Fiorentina, it's the same old story. They just cannot score. But they find themselves now, and it's a little <laughs> bit concerning if you're a Fiorentina yeah. fan, on... On Thursday, Friday show, I was looking for them in the table, looking in the top half, and I was like, oh, wait, um, they are down in 14th mm. on 24 points. They've only won six games. They've scored 23 goals in 22 games. Is Vincenzo Italiano underachieving at this point? Yeah, I, I think so. I think he, he, you know, he's been given all the tools that he wanted. He shipped off a few players in January. He's brought in a few players himself. It's not like they haven't got a bad squad, but whatever he seems to be doing is not getting the right tune out of them. We've spoken about Jovic and how it hasn't really worked out for him in terms of that move. And I I thought that was one personally that I was looking forward to. I thought, you know, he's a great target man, but he can also do the kind of legwork. He can run, um, but it hasn't worked out for him. And the fact that you've got Amrabat was probably their better player against Juventus Mm -hmm. kind of tells you its own story. It's like, a defensive midfielder doing a better performance than say your wingers um mm. but it, it just doesn't look great at the moment for Fiorentina they don't seem coherent in the style of football they're playing and yeah I think justifiably Vincenzo Italiano has got some issues ahead of him like I can't see him potentially surviving the rest of the season if he carries on mm. playing like this they need to get some results on the boards um but yeah I I don't, I don't know. It's it's a, it's a weird one because you think he's got the players there. Um, I've kind of argued, I think they just need a bit more clinical edge at top because um, mm-hmm. Nico Gonzalez as well, he's been quite good in recent games. Against Lazio, he scored a spectacular goal. Yeah. Um, so just against Juventus, they didn't look like they were going to pull up any trees. And unfortunately, it goes to that man in charge, doesn't it, to take the responsibility. Well, and that's it. And I think he's a really exciting coach. He's still one of the most exciting mm. Italian coaches and someone that we all kind of thought, okay, one day we'll see him at a Milan, at Inter, yeah. etc. Like, Piero, how do you feel about Vincenzo Italiano and how it's gone this season? I do also feel like there's only so much you can do when you've got Jovic up front. <laughs> like, <laughs> he does seem to miss quite a few chances. I like him, but having Fiorentina in 14th place for me is unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Um if you go historically in the sizes of clubs, Fiorentina yeah. should be trying to do what Adelanda have been doing for the last few seasons. In reality, yeah. Adelanda have no right to do what they've been doing. Mm-hmm. I know we're going to get used to it because they've been doing it, but it's ridiculous having Adelanda up there and a team like Fiorentina in 14th place mm-hmm. with kind of their history, the, the size of the city, their fan base. Mm-hmm. So clearly there's something wrong and they keep getting managers in that look promising and it just fades. And that's what could be happening here with the initial kind of new style, kind of not tiki-taka, but, you know, modern football. And then it just kind of goes off a cliff 
and that then becomes average. And mm-hmm. yeah, so as much as Jovic and the strikers haven't scored and they're not scoring enough, but if you're a good manager, you kind of find solutions. So you can't always mm. kind of blame the striker and stuff like that because I'm sure he would have been in the meeting that probably agreed to get him in. Mm-hmm. I feel like maybe they go for like a 30th year like celebration almost of them getting relegated exactly 30 years ago in similar circumstances. With a Run squad it back. Containing, yeah, <laughs> yeah, with a squad <laughs> containing Gabriel Batistuta and they just oh, somehow God. managed to get they somehow managed to get themselves relegated and then, and they had somebody who actually scored goals back then. <laughs> so they're not, they're not too far away from it, are they? Because every time we've talked about Fiorentina this season, it's revolved around the same topics is maybe it'll work for Jovic one day. Maybe he'll get some goals in. I think we're saying this around about November time and unfortunately we're still, and unfortunately for uh, <laughs> Fiorentina fans are still waiting. Yeah. Uh, and they've obviously missed a chance during the window to get somebody in. Uh, mainly because there's no money in Italy at the moment. So mm-hmm. they probably lack, if they imagine they committed quite a lot in terms of wages and over expenditure on Jovic. Um, and I think that's hamstrung them in, the, in terms of being able to do something about it. Money from Vlavic, it doesn't really seem like there was much left once he went. Um, mm. They didn't really seem to put much into the squad. So it's kind of, yeah, it seems like it is kind of stagnating a little bit there. Um, but before we go down the table where Fiorentina seem to be going, we need to go slightly up and give a shout out to Monza, the only team in Serie A so far to not lose post World Cup. And Piero, I'm going to start with you. Um, how surprised have you been by Monza? They could start making a push to be challenging for seventh. Surprised only because of their start to the season. When they first come up, I thought they'll they'll stay up um, purely on the fact because they've got Silvio Berlusconi and Adriano Galliani running running the show. Um, and when you have two people like that with all that experience at the top of world football, mm-hmm. you always back them to kind of produce the goods and know what people to get into the right places. So when they were struggling at first, I was quite surprised. Um, mm. But they've turned it around. And so far, Palladino's done a, an unbelievable job so hopefully they, they can keep... It looks like they'll probably stay up pretty comfortably. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if, if they do, kind of what the people at the top, what their ambitions are and see where they want to take mm-hmm. this club. It does feel like a club on the up and it felt like a project. You know, like obviously when Silvio came in and bought it, I think it, his first thing was like, we're going to be in the Champions League by 2025 or whatever. <laughs> like, Adam, do you think he's capable of getting him there? It does feel like this, this squad is exciting. They've got a lot of money that they've already committed to spending in the summer, I think. But do you think they'll mm. push on? I think they, they've got the, all the potential to do so. Um, like Pierre alludes to, you've got men that are hungry to bring success to Monza. And certainly I was one of those that felt like Monza could be the surprise package this season, especially mm. when you're bringing in someone like Pessina into that midfield. I was impressed by Danny Motta at the early stages as well. I thought he was quite good. Um, but yeah, they seem to be just gelling quite well. Rovella is another one that I'm really looking forward to seeing how he progresses and, Dare I say, I think he'd be very good for Juventus if they decide Mm -hmm. to bring him back. Um, 
But yeah, I, I think they, they look like the kind of side that are going to attract those key big talents, perhaps, that have gone by the wayside, maybe at other clubs, maybe looking to reinvigorate their careers. And that's kind of the perfect platform. You, you're not kind of, you know, you haven't got that tense atmosphere about performing. It seems to be, you know, they're just getting results at the right time. Paladino's getting good tune out of this squad right now and a few additions, who knows? They could be Europa Conference or Europa League maybe next season. Um Definitely could see that, but I think you've got to remember there's going to be so many clubs that are going to look to boost their squads in the summer as well. So, um, yeah, I think it's one of those areas that they, they definitely seem like a club on the up at the moment. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I could see them really pushing on next season, definitely. And we have to say another assist for Patania. He's having a great season, guys. He is having a great season. Pod favourite. He's absolutely killing it in Monza. But we do need to go down to the to the relegation battle. And the trap door today has swung open as Hellas Verona beat Salernitana 1-0. We, we called them the slump busters. If you are in search of a win, play Salernitana. You'll be fine. And now we find the table... Verona in 18th place on 17 points, Spezia in 17th on 19 points, and Salernitana in 16th on 21 points. We have a relegation battle, people. Do we? Who do we think is going to get dragged in, Spezia or Salernitana? Um, I'm going to go to Adam first, and I'll go Andy and Piero. Who's going to get dragged in? I think I'm going to say it's Salernitana because I think obviously that moment when they did sack David Nicola, uh, it did seem like that was the key time to maybe have just changed it up. Um, but for whatever reason, they decided to invite him back after two days uh, in typical <laughs> Italian fashion. And um, yeah, spectacular. But I, there was kind of moments where you thought, oh, Spezia looked like they're dropping points. You know, Dragovsky last week against Osimhen. You're kind of thinking, but they have they seem like they've got a squad with quality. I mean, even this week against Empoli, they just really looked quite good at times. This is a thing. So I think they've got within them a good quality squads. Hellas Verona, I didn't anticipate them kind of pulling themselves as much as they have, especially when you think they got rid of Barak in mm-hmm. the summer initially. And Illich has gone to Torino as well. So Henri left. Oh, they're all yeah. left. Yeah. yeah, you're thinking, wow, because that is really like stripping all the assets that they had at the time. Mm-hmm. So, and you think about the success they had last season with Tudor as well. So, it's incredible to see them kind of maybe pulling this off. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go for Salah Natana. It would be an escape of the ages. I love how Slenatana panic sacked and then panic hired the same person. <laughs> it just shows a whole new level of not big, knowing big what the hell's going on. Yeah, it just it is like it's like they open the phone book and it's literally just one number in it. Like, oh, well, let's just call him again. Um, Andy, who uh, do you also think it's going to be Selena Tanner to get roped in? Yeah, it, feel, it feels like um, when they go with a bit of a slump, they 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 slump hard. You saw it at stages last season. It's just. Um, they just find themselves, but there might be a little bit like the English equivalent of Bournemouth is that they'll have good in spells and then they'll just get battered for like eight, <laughs> five, eight games consecutively. And um, I think it's only so often that you could do that before you get sucked back in and end up mm-hmm. going down. And I think obviously with the unstable managerial side of things as well, you know, all this, if all is not well, you know, off the pitch, it does 
and to have an effect on what happens on it. So it's difficult to sort of see kind of where it's difficult. I think when you're a Salatana fan, it's difficult to look at your fixtures and go, right, where am I getting some points out of this? Because mm-hmm. you can't beat Corona. <laughs> There's not many teams that you're going to be able to beat in that uh, in that current form. Obviously, they've got, you know, they've got Lazio next. I don't see them beating them. Monza. Uh, the big one for them will be when they play Sampdoria um if of March, that's only um a couple of fixtures away. I think if they lose that, they're one hundred percent going down. There we go. We've got it. I just think of David and Nicola walking in the change room. You know that video of Steve Bruce where he's like sheepishly looking at the, at the, <laughs> at the journalist. Like, all right, like not looking at anyone. Um, Piero, what do you think? Salernitana just stayed up last year after losing three 0 at home. Do you think they can pull off a similar miracle this year? <laughs> I think I'm with the boys on this one. Um, I've got a feeling they're going to get dragged into it, and this time they'll they'll go. Mm. When you play with fire too too often, you're, you're going to get burnt eventually. I didn't like the fact that they when they sat Nicola and brought him back. I just thought, what are you doing? Um, so yeah, I watched a bit of the game earlier. Piantek had a huge chance on the 87th minute, I believe, one on one with the keeper. The keeper <laughs> saved it, so. Yeah, awesome. you need to put chances that away to pick up some points. And how do you think a changing room would react to a manager like you've been in changing rooms? You've been in, <laughs> how would how would you've seen him sacked, and then the next day he comes back into work? What what are the players thinking? It's comical, really. You has that happened in your career? Like, has someone sort of? come back to the club in a very short space so maybe not a couple of days later but like a few maybe months. not 48 hours <laughs> <laughs> no someone's been sat there they've, they've gone they move um, on is this something that happens in Italy I see <laughs> yeah. and then they bring someone else in and they sack him and bring the previous manager back but I just never understood it maybe something yeah. to do with financial reasons because they're probably Paying him on his contract, I think we might as well just get him back because mm. that means I have to get and they're paying off two managers and then getting a third to pay. So maybe it's that. <laughs> yeah, probably. I feel like that could be it, but I feel like he's going to be getting zero respect when he walks back through the door of the changing room the second time yeah. he comes in. So unfortunately, <laughs> Salernitana, it is not looking good for you. It is currently still nil nil. Sampdoria Inter Inter really making hard work Ooh. of that. Um, and there's one last game we do need to talk about before we go because there was two red cards. Spezia, Adam, you were talking about them. They were two nil up, but they, they managed to ruin it. What happened? It was kind of a strange game because it seemed like it was going the way of Spezia. They seemed really quite comfortable. And it wasn't until um, Esposito in the second half got a second yellow card and it kind of started to kick it off. You know, Empoli had their chances. um, But yeah, from that moment onwards, like it was like literally last 10 minutes of the match. Caputo was really aggressive with his play and it was Kambinga and as well in the last, I think it was last four minutes of injury time, Vignato scores the equaliser for Empoli. Um, so incredible scenes really. Spezia kind of threw it away, just holding on, I think it was the right words to describe this match. Um, but yeah, I have to give special mention to Verde who scored the second one. I mean, he had to oh, uh, have the um, penalty retaken for the first one because Vicario's 
They did an incredible save again. Um, but yeah, Verde for the second one was an emphatic hit from distance, something Piero probably does for a living these days uh, in the five-a-sides. Um, probably does it better than me, but um, yeah, incredible. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, it's an absolute banger of a goal, that one. Other moments in Serie A, I wanted to mention it before. We do give him a lot of stick, but Allegri standing up for Moise Kane to the Juventus fan that was giving him mm. stick, have to say a lot of respect for that. Like, you can say what you want about Allegri, but he definitely backs his players. And in the Serie A Femenile this weekend, Irish International scored her first goal for Parma, um, Neve. So we will definitely be reaching out and trying to get an interview with her to get an Irish view on the Serie A Femenile. But it's an absolute banger of a goal if you've not seen it as well. Absolute banger. So great to see that. Anything else we want to talk Serie A before we go over to England? Uh, just quickly, because um, Napoli won again, as they do. Uh, Faradona scoring his yeah. goal is incredible on his 22nd birthday in the 21st minute. That was incredible. Um, but the stat that I got, which was incredible, Cremonese have only held on to a lead in total 55 minutes across 21 league matches. Uh, so 23 minutes against Lecce was the longest that they've held a lead for Otherwise, the shortest time was five minutes. I don't, think, I don't think they're winning a football match ever again. <laughs> they're, they're, they're <laughs> right, honestly, not... not that bad. They're not that bad. <laughs> but, watch them. Just someone like... needs to tell them it's a cup match, right? And that's it. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll be fine. But... It's, it's, honestly, I've seen worse teams than them in the Serie A in the last couple of years. And they yeah. just... I cannot... The first... 10, 20 minutes of this game, they made it pretty difficult for Napoli. And I was like, oh, this could be... And then Napoli get one and you're like, okay, this is never happening. <laughs> Piero, what have you made of Cremonese? Again, if you're in that changing room, what is the manager saying? Like, just one, boys. Just get one. Like, <laughs> we need one. I, I just don't understand how they can beat Napoli and Rome and Coppa Italia. And then in the league, they're just kind of all over the place. So I'd be questioning the players and seeing what, what do you want me to do? Yeah. Like, like Adam said, do you want it to just be a cup match? Because it doesn't make sense how you can produce that level of performance and then the rest of the time you, you can't get anywhere near it. So that would be, must be eating the manager up inside because that would be difficult. Yeah, their player, Piquel, I want to say, had an erratic game. He was just steaming into everyone. <laughs> he seemed really hard to predict, that guy. A lot of players just running around a bit like headless chickens. But again, not as bad as you'd think for a team that have got less wins than Derby in 07, 08 or whatever season it was. Um, there's I, think no they'll still get, I think they'll still get more points. I think Derby were that bad. Cremonese <laughs> yeah. uh, could probably not win a game until the end of the season. I would still have more points at the end of a 38-game season if you get a few more draws. I think the record to beat the Derby is 11 points, if Ooh. I'm not mistaken. Because uh, so They need three more. Three yeah, more, they need to get yeah. three more. And they won't be as bad as Derby County. And Can they just do a playoff? Play Can they just play each other like that team versus the Cremonese side? Like that would be glorious <laughs> to see. Like Robbie Savage being torn apart, right? <laughs> we, there, there's definitely like an FM simulation we need to get going there. Derby 0708 versus current day Cremonese. I will try and work on it. But guys, we need to go for a break, a very quick break, I promise. And afterwards, we will be talking. Premier League, and I promise not to rant about Arsenal for too long. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Hi, I'm David Wheeler, and you're listening to the Anglo-Italian Podcast. 
And we are back. It is Premier League time. Um, now, I'm not going to start with Arsenal. I'm going to start elsewhere. Andy, I'm going to let you kick us off. Do you want to take us through Man United getting another win and entering the title race? How long will it be this time? Three days? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think, I, being honest, I don't think we're in a title race. That was never going to be the aim of this season, to be perfectly honest with you. I think, obviously, once you know Manchester City get a run of form together, they will uh, probably overtake Arsenal, at least yeah. before their charges get kicking. It feels, <laughs> like, it definitely counting, feels yeah. that way at the minute. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you go. Oh, you should feel better about yourself. You might not win it on the points, but you'll certainly win it. <laughs> in five years' get... time. We'll yeah, in five yeah. years' time, yeah. <laughs> but no, it was, um, I think it was, obviously they had a tough midweek game against last week against Leeds, which would have easily, quite easily have lost that game, to be perfectly honest. And um, it was a really, really tough game. Um, I think... Um, Leeds were very, very much up for it. I think Ellen Rhodes was absolutely steaming. Um, you, you know, I was only watching it on TV. You really sort of felt it. Uh, it's a game that's been a lot to both sides. Um, historically, there have been some great clashes over the years. But no, I think um, the game kind of panned out how, exactly how I expected it to work. Uh, expected it to. Um, obviously, with Weston McKenney and Tyler Adams up front, they were both... Very, very aggressive. Um, I was gonna, I think we've called it Brexit tackles if we're English, but I think as I saw the TikTok I sent to you guys earlier, freedom tackles. <laughs> but <laughs> they're doing the job that they set out to do and very well equipped to do as players. Um, you know, there, I think with the likes of um Fred and Sabitzo, it's not a partnership that's been tested particularly much in midfield and um I think they were certainly given the go going over in the first half. They couldn't really get a grip on the game a little bit. And um Fred always worries me. He's one of those players that I don't fully trust when he's in when he's in possession or under pressure or being pressed. And certainly when Fred gets a yellow card every single time I think just take him off he's gonna get himself sent off. Doesn't always but it did worry me. But no I think leads to the first uh, hour I think were the better team. Mm-hmm. Um, if it was some better, um, for some better finishing uh, from Somerville, especially, I think they would have um, been all right. I think they're another team that are lacking a bit of dynamism, clinical uh, finishing up front with Bamford coming back from a lot of injuries. So, no, I think um, you know as much as much as I do support Manchester United, I think Leeds certainly didn't disgrace themselves as well. I mean, Luke Haley did a really good job of Marcus Rashford in the first half, got tight to him. Uh, didn't give ready space, got in his ear a little bit. Um, I thought it was going to be one of those games, but I think what um, I thought would happen with Leeds and that transpired was that they started to run out a little bit, run out of gas mm-hmm. a little bit. You, you saw it a little bit when the, the substitution started to be made when um, you know Garnacho came, Garnacho came on. Um, you know, Lissandra Martinez, I think, coming on because so I think the Harry Maguire and Shaw centre back partnership was. Interesting, um, especially um, <laughs> as it's not sta- something we would have seen coming pre no. the season. I don't think, especially as Martinez is, is suspended for the Barcelona game, mm-hmm. so I wasn't really too sure to be honest why he wasn't involved. Um, and I felt that he would have made a bit more of a difference, certainly with his passing ability. Because I think with mm-hmm. Harry Maguire, I, I feel I feel harsh to sort of criticize him, but you always feel that. He's only a couple of minutes away from like a disaster. There was a point yesterday where he was a bit 
laborious in possession, lost the ball. And it was a very good recovery tackle from him, to be fair. That was great defended to recover. Um, but the fact he puts himself into that position is guaranteed mm-hmm. to do that at least once or twice a game, I think does show that, you know, I think they'll move on eventually from that. Uh, but no, I think... Um, the first goal was really well worked. I think Sabitzer has been quite a smart addition. Unexpected, yeah, yeah. but a very smart addition. I think he's got a good all-round game and that pass, he, that crossfield balls uh, he put through to Luke Shaw to put it on Rashford was absolutely exceptional. I think once Casemiro comes back, I think him and Sabitzer in the centre midfield, I think will actually be very, very solid. And I think we've got Nacho as well. Um, oh, there was some um, idiot YouTuber, I think, what was this called? Flex Goldbridge. or <laughs> I can't stand Goldbridge. You could get in the sea. Uh, but there was another, there was enough there was another one knocking about. I think Flex was his name. Um and he was on like it was give got that had a bad game against Leeds midweek. He was saying, Oh, if you're old enough, you're old enough to get roasted and all that kind of stuff, saying he's like he's not good enough and all that. I'm like, for fuck's sake, he's an 18-year-old kid. He's gonna have he's he's a very talented kid, but he's gonna have some bad games and you just gotta deal with it. He's he's gonna drift in and out. You can't unless you're Lionel Messi, you can't expect an 18-year-old to perform week in, week out. It's just not gonna happen. And I think um He's shown what he's capable of by coming off the bench and scoring the goal that he did. Very similar to what he did against Fulham, where he, he seems to have this shot nailed down where he's got that low drive, cutting in and hitting it low towards a far post. He's done mm-hmm. that a couple of times. It's a really nice little technique he's got there. Um, and I think- he looks like he, he looks like a very, very exciting player. We're going to take a very quick, because Piero needs to go. Piero, thank you for joining us, man. We will have you on again for some Serie A perspective. Thank you, guys. And hopefully after another Milan win for you. Cheers. <laughs> have a good evening. See you soon. See you later, man. Cheers, Thanks. Mate. But yeah, sorry, Andy. Yeah, so, no, Garnacho looks like a really exciting player, but I think people like that, that, that like... We had the same thing at Arsenal with Saka and Smith-Rowe and they had one bad game and people would be cussing them out saying they're never going to be good enough. And you give them time and they get to the level because they're talented players. And Garnacho looks really, really mm-hmm. exciting. I love just how much he seems to love Ronaldo as well. He is like absolutely <laughs> obsessed with the bloke, um, which is nice to see. Um, but for Leeds, Adam, um, it mm. feels like if I was them, I'd be sticking with this manager just for the end of the season I'd be saying is Scubala, right? Is his name? Was that his name? I can't yeah, what his name was. Scubala, um, yeah. He seems to be getting a bit more of a tune out of him. He's changed their style a bit, mm-hmm. but these are two very good performances against a an improving United side. Yeah, it would have been very easy for them to capitulate, especially in that first game a few days ago, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but they really did respectively really well. Um, and I think it just... There is that kind of new manager bounce, but I think you clearly alluded to it on the last pod where there just seems to be something lifted off the players. They seem to be playing more for the jersey itself, um, but also they don't seem to be as narrow. That's the one mm-hmm. thing that I noticed. They weren't as narrow as they have been in previous matches. And, you know, they gave like Man United some trouble, especially in the kind of final third as well. If they had just a bit more kind of, edge when it came to those final balls because there's a few times where they carved sort of Man United open and obviously I think that pressure especially there was one moment where De Gea as we know doesn't know how to kick a ball Um, (laughs) there's that little bit of pressure there that you kind of think oh if only they could have got that final ball well or you know just that final touch was a bit more on time um, they could have done better and I felt 
for a Ganacho's goal, it was I think it was Koch who felt a bit flat-footed. Mm-hmm. Um, and by that, obviously, as a defender, you kind of know you should be on your toes, um, ready to anticipate that run. Um, but yeah, Garnacho just skins him alive, really. Just you I saw think, him. I think that was a lack of energy him. coming in there. They were a bit yeah. lacking towards the end of the game. Yeah. I think the point you mentioned on De Gea as well, Arsenal did it to great effect. I think mm. it's it's not even a secret. Everybody knows that if you could put a little bit of pressure on um, on De Gea and you know Maguire if he's playing, yeah. you invariably get some joy. And I think um, a bit like you know when Liverpool still had. Um, with Rocky between Mignolet, Carrius, yeah, back and yeah, forth yeah, for a yeah. couple of seasons. Yeah. And it was only really when they got a keeper of proper quality in Allison that they transformed as a team. Yeah. And I yeah, think yeah. Um, with Manchester United, until they replaced the goalkeeper, with whoever it is, I don't know, um, but with whoever that is, and until they get like a proper clinical number nine, uh, that's what's going to stop Manchester United. Mm-hmm. Go for you know going from Champions League regulars, which is where they should be as a club, to challenging the trophies. Um, mm. So I think would you would you bring in Dean Henderson when he comes back from his loan spell? Um, it's a difficult one because I think in theory, yes, absolutely. Uh, but I think um, from what I've read and some of the comments that he's made in the media, I think the relationship between Manchester United and him is not particularly mm. good. This goes back to last season um, mm. when he had he'd had a, he'd had a spell uh, during the COVID period of time. Yeah, he come back. I was told, right, you're going to start the season as number one. He got COVID, which wasn't his fault, nor was it yeah. the manager's fault. But I think he felt that. Um, he came, he come back and never got a look at again, not even in the cup games. And I think when you look at the form of De Gea over the course of last season at some stages, I felt that um, he, he's got his nose got put out of joint a little bit. Mm-hmm. He wanted to go out on loan. Apparently, he refused to meet with Eric Ten Hag, who refused to entertain the possibility of sticking around. And um, back off to Nottingham Forest, he went. So it's difficult to see. A future, but you never know. In the new in in the summer, there might be new owners, maybe a different vibe about the place. But I think, as it stands at the moment, I think the relationship, for what I understand, is a little bit beyond repair. Well, AFC Finners has jumped in the comments and said, I would break the bank to get Martinez from Villa. I think you could no. do a lot worse than Martinez. You don't like him? I think you could do better than Martinez. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I think Vicario from Empoli. Vicario from Empoli. That's who you need to be getting. Remember the bloody name. Go get him. But I think I I wouldn't. I wouldn't bother though because the last time an Italian in goal for Man United, Saibi happened. So um, (laughs) it's been about twenty years. I think we could do enough. I think (laughs) I think we'd be all right if we got another Italian. You ready to get hurt again? Are you sure? (laughs) Yeah, twenty years would be all right. Nice. We need to move on from United Leeds. And I think we're going to go for, I think maybe we'll stick towards the bottom of the table um, with Leeds there, not United, obviously. Um, and we need to go to, um, there's a high school in, in the Ronda <laughs> Valley that might just have a new PE teacher starting. Um, Mr. Jones has finally <laughs> lost his job. And I just want to take a quick section. I put a tweet out um, over the weekend just saying, 
Luton fans, Stoke City fans, has Nathan Jones always been this odd? And there was just <laughs> a Luton fan who just replied, yes, full stop. That was it. No <laughs> yeah. more, nothing less. Just he's always been an oddball. So in the time he was in charge of Southampton, just interrupt me if I forget anything. He was there for eight eight matches. Eight right? matches, yeah. He threw his players under the bus like within a couple of weeks and said that, you know, he can't pick who he does, who wants to pick. He has to pick who they say. He has said, slagged off his hometown, saying that he could have just settled for a simple life, but he chose to do greater things. He has <laughs> said he was the greatest manager in Europe. Um, and and am, I, am I missing anything? It was slagged quite an event. Welsh girls as well. He oh, yeah, I did dig at Welsh girls. Down at Welsh girls, yeah. Um, I did dig at Welsh girls. Now, I kind of said it on our WhatsApp group, but to turn what I always think of Southampton as like a super friendly club, I've been there to watch the Alex away, and it was a really nice atmosphere. <laughs> Everyone was really friendly. To turn that into one of the most poisonous cauldrons on in Britain, I think is a very good it's achievement. achievement. Yeah, it yeah. is a hell of an achievement. I don't know if, well, maybe I could do that. I don't know, but I don't know if there's many <laughs> professional managers that could do that. Um, so he's gone. Now, this game, his excuse for this game was outstanding. So they were against 1-0 up against the 10-man Wolves team. And he said that the red card gave Wolves the confidence and the freedom to go and mount a comeback. <laughs> now, that is some gistical gymnastics that I have rarely seen achieved elsewhere. Um, Adam, how did it take Southampton this long to sack him? Uh, I think they tried to back him as best as they could, um, given the circumstances. But, um, yeah, the writing was on the wall a few weeks ago when he started kind of giving these kind of lame excuses. Um, and just he just couldn't really get the grasp of that he needs to be playing better football than what his predecessor, Hassan Hutel. There was a nice side-by-side -side, uh, graphic about their performances and it was, in some cases, worse than the Hassan Hootel's record, which goes a long way to kind of show you that maybe the Southampton board didn't give enough trust to Hassan Hootel, um, given the circumstances. Yes, he always guarantees you a 9-0 defeat every season, but at least he keeps you up, right? Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think, yeah, this is a problem. You, you have to stick with the ideology if you're going to kind of put your neck on the line and kind of back someone like Nathan Jones, I think. And he alludes to the fact that it was kind of a random like um, appointment at the time. Um, but I think it's even more random that they're kind of contemplating replacing him with Jesse Marsh. And there's rumours even today of Wayne Rooney kind of potentially being interested in role, which is, it doesn't feel right, does it? He loves but the club in crisis as Wayne. Jesus Christ. He's, Derby he, and Southampton. I mean, even DC United by American yeah. standards have had a, a bit of a fucking mare over the past couple of yeah. years. But I think, yeah, I think with Rolf Hasenhutl, he always had, he largely had the backing of the Southampton fans. He connected yeah. with them. And, you know, even if he didn't have a backing of the board, he had a good relationship with the fans. Whereas I think with Nathan Jones, when you're at the bottom of the table, the first thing you need to do is get a rapport going with your players, get a rapport <laughs> going with your fans. It's just for one of one, you know. We, we roast him a lot, but Lampard managed that last season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did connect to the Goodison fans and they did drag him over a few results. 
Jesse Marsh certainly did it at the start of his mm-hmm. reign. He, all right, he grated on him a little bit towards the end, but he helped. He certainly got something out of him at the start. Whereas mm. with Nathan Jones, there was just none of that. He didn't get anything out of the players, anything out of the. Um, certainly, that had an awful relationship with the fans, and uh, there was. A, I'm not. I'm going to go a little bit conspiracy theory here. There was uh, <laughs> so there was a bit in the Southampton game where it was getting on towards the end of the game. James Ward-Prowse had a free kick right at the edge of the area. <laughs> and right, 99 times out of 100, right, he, you'd back him just to slot it. And I do, <laughs> I do, I know I'm, I know I'm probably accusing a professional footballer of devious things, but I do wonder if there's a little part of me that thought goes, well, fuck me, if I bag this in top bins, you might be on <laughs> for another week. Yeah. <laughs> you know he what I mean? Like, it's, this, that, uh, it's that famous video of Steven Gerrard looking over at the bench at Roy Hodgson and spamming <laughs> that penalty over the crossbar. <laughs> yeah. Like, Oh fuck this! No, <laughs> just bang I just bang it over. Felt, the yeah, now you mentioned it, I felt it was a bit of like a, a fuck it moment <laughs> because mm. there was no. He, I think he tried to do something from the training ground, but obviously nothing of the training ground has happened. There's been anywhere um, near good. I, I think, do you I, think Bednarek did it for the own goal as well? Just like fuck well, it, thought, let's just thought, do it. Well, I thought the keeper helped out a little bit as well. <laughs> yeah. he, just, he goes, he goes bouncing out like Superman. Bednarek <laughs> just goes. <laughs> it's oh. just um but yeah i think they'd be glad to see the, the site see the back of him it's fair to say i think with southampton board i felt do you think maybe it's a bit of stubbornness a little bit it was their appointment and i felt they almost were trying to make it work out of pure stubbornness mm-hmm. mm-hmm. had they well, um, an agm well, not an ADA, but they had some sort fans of forum, yeah. wasn't it? And fans forum, forum was, yeah, yeah. And it's fair to say the Southampton fans weren't a happy bunch. Um, <laughs> and they even and it takes a lot to make Southampton fans unhappy because they're not a mutinous fan base, really, or an not easily really. combusted fan of shit base, down are they? As well, yeah. yeah, exactly. Their expectations are not usually that high. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think the only person that I think that would get a worse reception at St. Mary's than Nathan Jones, I think, is Harry Redknapp. Yeah, 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 Basically. yeah, no, that's yeah. fair. That is fair. That is fair. It feels like, I don't know, I think the board clearly don't have a clue what, like, I, I think to go <laughs> from, like, don't forget. <laughs> yeah, well, don't forget, they paid £4 million for Nathan Jones, right? They paid oh, like, a lot. They? They paid Luton a lot of money to get him out of his contract, right? They paid a lot of money. All I saw was Luton fans commenting on the Southampton post, cheers for the money, boys, cheers for the money, fans. <laughs> like, they clearly panicked and now are panicking themselves back to, like, Ralph Hassenhuttle White. Um, but, but there's a bit in, like, there's a bit in the thick of it, if anyone's ever seen the thick of it, where yeah. the new minister is doing really shit and she's like, I'm doing all right, aren't I? And he's like, Look, if the prime minister sacks you after a week, he's fucked up. If he sacks you after a month, he's <laughs> yeah. fucked up. And it's like massive vibes of that from Southampton. They couldn't, unlike Selenitana, right? They just didn't have <laughs> the balls to make that quick decision. Um, but yeah, it, I think Southampton fans will be very, very, very glad he's gone. The only issue now mm-hmm. is I think they're basically down. I know there's 16 games left to play. There's a lot of football to go. But... Leeds, I feel like they've at least got a bit of momentum there, right? There's a little bit of a push. Everton are currently two, losing 2-0 to Liverpool, by the way. Fucking dice. Could you oh, not have just, just lost that game? I just, 
Oh, speaking of the Liverpool Everton game, what's the uh, the first um, Liverpool goal? And um, I think Pickford's had a bit of a moment. Oh, oh. They not fucked up against Arsenal. They had to turn up against. Yeah, Arsenal. it's <laughs> oh, Pickford's had a mare for their first goal. I haven't seen the second, but it's interesting at the bottom of the table. You look at the teams that are like the bottom six at the moment. Mm-hmm. Only one of those teams probably would have budgeted for perhaps going back down again, which is Bournemouth. They're the yes. only team that if they go back yes. down, it won't be a complete disaster mm-hmm. because the expectation yeah, yeah. was going into the season is probably where they would have ended up. And they've not yeah. spent a huge amount of money because Zanioda didn't really fancy the South Coast. Now he's gone to Turkey. Idiot. Mm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. has exactly. got some really nice beaches, if anything. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I think um, it's diff- it's difficult because all of those teams at the bottom six, I think, uh, apart from Wolves, who've won three out of five games now. I think they've um, they've got the best manager out yeah. of that lot by some distance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think that's that. You know, Lopetegui, that's making a huge huge difference uh because he's a good manager probably got a higher ceiling than wolves if it wasn't yeah. some bad pr moves he's done in his part in his career <laughs> yeah he's, uh, done, he's <laughs> done his best yeah. to set fire to his career like he, he has, hasn't he? yeah i mean he, <laughs> he set tried. fire to his career at spain did the same at real madrid i mean he had a bit of a mare for a good couple of years yeah. running which is probably why he's at wolves in the first place but to be honest with you i can see um, one of Southampton Everton getting out of it. I could see West Ham getting dunked into it. Mm-hmm. Um, because even Palace, even Palace are looking not a million miles away now. They're starting mm. to get dragged in. I think it's really looking very, very tense down there. I think Wolves absolutely nailed it, making that decision pre World Cup and just yeah. being like, bang, you've got that whole month to work with the squad. We know you're a good one. Back, like, uh, they, they have to, nailed they backed it. They backed him in the market as well, yeah. to be fair. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, Daddy Mendes has got his contact book out and sorted <laughs> them right out, hasn't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, he loses money if walls go down, because all of a sudden his clients aren't going <laughs> to yeah. move anywhere. It's it's, if it's in anybody's interest, it's in Mendes's interest for walls to stay up. But it looks like they might get it done. And a huge, a huge comeback win down to 10 men. I know it's Southampton and we were laughing, but that is a massive, massive win for them mm. in, in against a team that's kind of around them, as we were saying. Um, but we do need to go kind of up towards the top of the table and and i'm gonna start with because i love watching videos of spurs fans at spurs games can i just say that i absolutely love it i don't know who these idiots are who film themselves watching watching matches as they get battered and then upload it on the internet but thank (laughs) you i really enjoyed it one of them just had the leicester goal music as they went in and each time it was just like an extra punchline in the back it was fucking brilliant but leicester four spurs one spurs go ahead a great start, and then by half time they're three one down, or was it four one at half time? Three one at half time, right? Um, what the hell is happening with Spurs, Andy? They beat City one nil. Everyone thinks, right? Here we go, right? We're doing it now. But they just the only team they beat is City, and then they just fuck up against everyone else, presumably. Yeah, it does seem to be the way. Um, I mean. Maybe Antonio Conte is the problem because I don't think he was in the dugout last week, was he? Uh, <laughs> maybe that seems to be the problem. Um, it could be it. But I think with um, Tottenham, they've got so many players who, who blow hot and cold. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think 
Yeah, they're just they're just very inconsistent. But I think for all the money that they've spent beefing up, you know, they've got Pedro Porro, obviously they've you know they've got the likes of um the Beds Corbett Phil, Kuliseski at the front, and you look at their back three that they rocked up with against Leicester, Ben Davies, um Eric Dyer, um Jaffet Tanganga. That is not a that is a I'm gonna be honest, that is a bottom half. Yeah, back three. In fact, I'd argue probably worse than that. They've got basically a top two <laughs> striker in uh, Harry Kane, but at the back they're absolutely woeful. I think the reason and they have Fraser it. Forster in goal. Now I liked Fraser Forster ten years ago, but yeah, not it's, now. <laughs> it's um, yeah, I think that's and I think that is a big part of the problem. So Eric Dyer, when he's playing at his absolute best, to be fair, is quite serviceable, but he's general average mean if you like his mean mm. performances aren't good enough Ben Davis I've never I just don't know what Ben Davis is good at I've seen him plenty of time for Tottenham and Wales and I don't really know what he does he's not particularly mm. fast he's not particularly skillful he's not particularly good tackler he's just kind of there <laughs> he just he, he just exists mm. <laughs> nobody knows why <laughs> and somehow ends up with about 150 cap to Wales or something ludicrous like that but I think that's also <laughs> what's letting them down they've never replaced Alderweireld and Vertonghen with players of the equivalent yeah. quality when those two are at their peak. Um, mm. And I think, yeah, I think it's going to be another summer where basically what will happen, I know it's going to happen, I could, could see it happening already. They're going to say to Pochettino, look, I'm really, really sorry about that time before a couple of years ago. Let's just let's just get the band back together and yeah. pretend it never happened and we'll buy you some centre-backs. I genuinely think that is the best thing Spurs could do in the summer. We will see where they go because Conte definitely is going. But we have to say, for Leicester, they've now scored eight goals in the last two games in the Premier League, beating Aston Villa 4-2, now uh, Spurs 4-1. Is Brendy Rodgers turning it around? They were on a Premier League run of, my God, they lost five Premier League games in a row, (laughs) scoring one goal. And now all of a sudden, they drew against Brighton 2-all. They've got that cheeky little win against Walsall in the FA Cup and now back-to-back wins in the Premier League. Adam, are Leicester turning the corner and is it all just Harry Sutar? Because I absolutely love the bloke. <laughs> I'd love to think it was only Harry Sutar, but um, no, I think there's always been a good squad at Leicester. It's mm-hmm. just getting them all together, making sure they're all fit. And also, I think they had to go through a bad phase didn't they, at the beginning of the season where it seemed like James Madison was the only player that was there, but you know, Harvey Barnes has started to turn up. Mendy for that goal in particular oh, was really good as well. That was his first um, goal in 100 games or something His like story, yeah. His story is incredible. So he, like, he got a serious injury on his Premier League debut and couldn't play for the next two seasons. And then he's finally come in and got his goal. It's just a really nice thing to see him come in and making a big difference. It was a hell of a hit as well. Like, unbelievable. Yeah, exactly. And Castagna has been a solid performer this season. I think he's one of those players that outside of the top kind of clubs, he could be someone that could be plucked out of there and do a job for one of the top sides in the Premier League as well, because he's been really solid. But even the centre-back that they bought, um, Faze, who obviously mm-hmm. was at one point, I think, Liverpool's top goal scorer for 2023, <laughs> um, he put in an incredible performance as well. He's been, in the last few matches, starting to show what they've been seeing in terms of potential. I'm not convinced by Danny Ward, by the way, but 
I, I, I think, don't think anybody you know, will ever be convinced no, by Danny exactly. Ward. I think um, <laughs> nothing Danny think, Ward will ever be fully convinced. <laughs> <by> <laughs> I mean, I think fair play. I think Leicester have obviously decided that you know they're going to prioritise other positions and just wing it out to the end of the season. Mm-hmm. I think they'll be all right. Um, but I think they'll certainly get a new keeper. I think Madison will be another one that I would to be completely selfish. I would take him at Manchester United mm-hmm. in an absolute heartbeat. Um, at a number ten, as a, as a number ten, I think he would fit in at United, Arsenal, Newcastle, Newcastle. Newcastle would be the ones quite heavily linked yeah. to, haven't they? Mm-hmm. I think that's probably where he'd end up. But yeah, he him and him, I think he will. Sealermans as well. If he could be on our... free, like Leicester have got a lot of business to do in the summer. But I think it was just so so vital for them to try and get some form together. It feels like. Of of all the teams around there. Now I've I've said before that I think Leeds have actually got quite a lot of quality, but from the teams around there, you look at the squads and you think, yeah, Leicester and Wolves probably have the most quality down yeah. there. Maybe yeah. West Ham, although then they're really not West Ham just they not just consistent. can't win, can they? They just yeah. cannot yeah. win. They cannot exactly. get a win. Um, but yeah, Leicester looks like promising signs for them. We do need to go and we kind of I suppose you kind of it was involved in the Southampton um, Wolves game again, but VAR and human error, um, I think is the phrase, steals the show this weekend as West Ham against Chelsea. Unbelievably, Suchek makes an unbelievable save, no penalty. On BBC Match of the Day, they tried to say it hit his knee. I was like, what the frig are you talking about? <laughs> um, huge handball there. The mad. Lamina red card at Southampton because he was the third player running up to the ref. Now, I have never heard this before in my life that the third player gets booked, but it seems convenient that you book the player that's already on a booking, just like, oh, sod off, off you go. (laughs) What did we make, before I get to the Arsenal one, what did we make of the VAR decisions this weekend? And will VAR ever work as long as there's humans in charge? Because ultimately, this is all, this isn't the VAR that's made the, like the computer hasn't made a bad oh, decision. Yeah. The people looking at the computer have made a bad decision. Adam, I'm going to let you go off on this. Which which one annoyed you the most? As the Crystal Palace one as well, McAllister with that. Yeah, I was going to mention well. the Crystal Palace one. Um, probably, although I'm not an Arsenal fan, I would have been really disgruntled at the Arsenal one, the decision <laughs> yeah. against given against you because there's two instances that they didn't pick up on. So it's initially, obviously, when the ball goes in. And then on the um, kind of coincidental ball gets kind of put through, Jensen mm-hmm. then goes offside before he kind of flows it to Tony to score that equaliser. So I, I just think even today you've seen the statement by Pogmol who've said that Howard Webb is obviously gone to Arsenal and clubs to apologise for can- this week's decision-making. You can apologise all you like, but that's clearly cost potentially a club Honestly, title or you know, it, oh. it, it, there's so many repercussions, and that's the problem. When you introduce like this kind of tech, it still relies on human mm-hmm. beings being human, basically, and it's not black and white. Things where we should be utilizing this is for contentious decision making, which I don't understand why. Even if you're down on the ground, you you get to call it. I just, yeah, it is disrupting the flow and it's going to cost more matches. But we've seen it across Europe as well, Rory. We've seen it. In yeah, Italy, it's not just the matches, Premier League. So it's not just a Premier League thing. But yeah, I mean, it, it just goes to show you that VAR needs to be used on certain things, not everything, I feel. Well, I think the thing, it's not even using it when to use it and when not to use it. It's using it properly. 
Like, because even I'm not like the Palace one, he draws the line from the wrong player, and yeah. everyone can see no, he's further back. It's the other fucking player, it's right there. Like, so it's it's about using it properly. If you're gonna use it, use it when you want to use it, whatever, but use it fucking properly. And even with the Arsenal one as well, they paused it on the first one, and I went, It's not offside there, it's the second one. It's not offside mm. that it's the second one. And they just played it through. And I was like, you missed it. <laughs> you missed it. No, that one was the fucking offside yeah. one, you daft bastard. Even the foul from the free kick, even Tony was holding Saliba against him. He had his arms clasped behind him. So Saliba couldn't get away from him, gave away the pen, gave away the free kick. So you missed that one. Fine, I'll take the free kick. But at least do the job properly on the offside. Mm. And like... I said it before we hit record. Lee Mason has now took more points off us this season than any other Premier League team. The United one, he came back and said, oh, actually, yeah, my bad. It wasn't a foul. Okay, at the time, I thought I could see why they made the decision, right? I, I remember us talking about it, Andy, and I was like, yeah, I can see that he's come through the back of him. Maybe it's a foul. It's soft, but, you know, VAR, you get soft decisions. I'll take it. If that goal had rightly been given, we don't usually drop points when we're ahead. So I'm going to say we get a draw there, right? I'm going to say that game we get a draw at Old Trafford. That's one point he's taken off us, right? Then at home now, <laughs> he's taken four points off us, three points against Brentford, and we didn't play well. We didn't deserve to win. We didn't even slightly deserve to win. But what does everybody say about teams that win the league? They didn't play well, but they got the win. And it would have been one of them. And it's just... So frustrating. We would have needed a miracle. We need a miracle to win this league, right? We need all the things to fall in place for us to do it. City get a soft as fuck penalty as Grealish dives <laughs> on the same day. And like oh, literally is... the worst dive, I've, like one of the worst dives I've ever seen. But he's one, the, decision. he's one of the worst for it, though. Like, um, he, he I mean, Man City don't Man City don't get called out enough on it, though, because like they do it all the time. You got Mares, he goes down easy in the box. Mm -hmm. Greenish goes down easy in the box. They commit about fifty tactical fouls a game, which you rarely get pulled. They're the up most on. cynical, honestly. <laughs> yeah. uh, this weekend, right? I was like, <clears throat> I was like, you know what? I've never really cared that much about City, and I've realised why. It's because we've never been on the same planet as them. And now we are slightly close. I fucking despise them. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I'm noticing everything. And yeah, the cynical fouls, the diving, the unfurling a banner for your 80 grand a day lawyer that's going to fish you out of your cheek. Oh, that, that, is like, so that is so Tim Pot. I mean, just while it is on one that, of the for, most embarrassing things I've seen for, at football stadium. For a club that could for a club and a fan base that continues to state that they've done nothing wrong. Yeah, yeah. And blame I mean Pep Guardiola's press conference was something else. Um, you know, apparently it was Steve apparently it's his fault that Steven Gerrard slipped. Um, I mean, to be fair, it's probably the only thing you can't play Bansit for. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that that got brought up again. Everyone was talking about it again. It was quite funny. But... And Stephen <laughs> Gerrard is probably having a really good day playing golf or spending some time with his family. <laughs> and he's just sitting Phone there goes. on a Friday night and just gone, for fuck's sake. <laughs> but um, no, I think I, I don't understand Manchester City. They're booing the, the Premier League. They're booing the Champions League anthem. Yep. It, even though it's where there's uh, money come from. They boo the Premier League album, Anthem, mm -hmm. which they keep winning every year because reasons. And they are on the banner celebrating, I don't know, an 80 grand a week lawyer or something like that. It's just very strange 
behaviour for a club that continues to pretend, continues to insist they've done nothing wrong and it will um, blow over in a jiffy. Yeah, I think there's this there's this thing of like, because I understand like what City fans will say is like, well, I'm just supporting my club. I'm sticking up for my club. I'm like doing what every other football fan would do. I'm going to say one thing. What a lot of fans wouldn't be doing is singing the name of their owner, like <laughs> Bin Salman or Lord or whatever they're singing. Like, it feels like they've fully drunk the Kool-Aid. Like, it's just all down. Like, yes, nothing completely blinded to even the slight chance that some of it could be dodgy. And I find that, like, <sighs> they're going to get away with it because they got away with it in your... They didn't get away with it. They paid off UEFA, so it looked like they got away with it. And that's what's going to happen with this one. And the City fans will turn around and say, we did nothing wrong. We were found innocent. You weren't found innocent. You paid a lot of money so that the thing would go away. But I just... I think... Going back to the VAR, because we've kind of gone off the topic a bit, I think to see City get that decision the same day that Arsenal got absolutely shafted or the day after Arsenal got shafted, it just kind of made it stand out to me more like we are going to need a frigging miracle here. Like it feels like City really are hitting their pace. We are wobbling, right? We were, we haven't been good against Everton. We lost against City in the FA Cup. We weren't good against Brentford. We're definitely wobbling. But it just feels like the last thing we need is the officials not helping us. But to to shift away from Arsenal, we'll go to the Palace decision and the West Ham one. Adam, the West Ham one is absolutely ridiculous. I don't get how they don't see that. But Chelsea, again, just cannot get a win. No, they can't get a win at the moment. Um, Just unlucky. Um, But again, like just that defending at the end as well kind mm. of sums up Chelsea's season, really. They don't see Emerson like, just running in the back post. And that is literally the problem for Potter at the moment because I do worry for his kind of credentials next season if he carries on in the same vein. Because I, I love there was a meme of um, Todd Bowley with two advisors next to him and they said, um, I put a bid for Emerson, put a 150 million bid and the guys are saying, yeah, but we had him last season. Don't care. Put 150 million in for him. Like, <laughs> that kind of summarizes Chelsea, yeah. doesn't it? They just yeah, yeah. try and snap up anyone. But um, yeah, that decision was just atrocious. I can't understand how you didn't give that. And it was so obvious. But what was more mesmerizing, and I was saying to a friend, like, why does Suchek even do that? Like, yeah, I appreciate there is yeah. that, that shot from Sam Gallagher, but... I'm, I'm like, I've got Fabianski behind me. I can trust yeah, him. Like, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it just feels like he got away with it. And I think he was secretly expecting to get sent off personally. But yeah, yeah got you can You it. can usually tell in the players' reactions, can't you? You can yeah. usually tell. Um, and for Brighton, like for them, that could have been a huge three points to continue their push for Europe. They kind of it's stolen from them in the end. And that could have huge financial ramifications for a club. And I feel like at this point, what do we do with the referee? Like, what can we do to improve this? Like, all there's so much wrong at Pugmol at the moment. Like, how would mm. Webb has come in and tried to improve it and tried to make decisions quicker? But what he's obviously done is been rushing people to make decisions rather than taking the time it needs. Yes, we don't like long delays, but if quicker decisions means shit like this happening on a weekly basis, then take that extra 30 seconds. Honestly, just take it. Um, a lot of Arsenal fans have been talking about how all the referees from the Premier League are all from the Northwest and Greater Manchester area. <laughs> which is an interesting fact. It is an interesting fact. It's just a notable fact. I'm not saying they're correlated. It's just a noticeable fact. Um, but what can we do about the refs? Andy, I'm going to say, what do, what do Pugmol need to do? I think 
I think what they've done over the past week or so is probably the first stage of that is accountability. Um, I think that is the first step to sort of solving problems is that when mm-hmm. you make a mistake, hold your hands up and admit the many mistakes. I think one of the criticisms I have, especially in England, is that you can't criticise referees. They, don't, mm-hmm. they never seem to be held accountable. They're not made to explain their decision making. I think there needs to be a bit more of that. Again, to use like rugby as an example, they, you know, referees in that sport seem to be able to ex- very, very articulate whether we agree with it or not, what decision they've made, yeah. why they've made it, everything the crowd knows, the players know. I think everybody kind of understands. And I think for me, I'd rather they take the time with VAR to make the right decision rather than just rush it. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. maybe a bit more clarity over what they should be using VAR for, because it does seem to get a little bit muddled. When VAR first mm-hmm. came out, I thought, okay, we're going to see if a goal was offside or if someone's done a cheeky little scrape around the back of the ankles and deserves a red card. I thought that was the main purposes of VAR. Um, and now it gets a little bit clouded, you know, oh, if it, unless it's an obvious error, you can't, book a player or you, you can't mm. turn a booking into a red card because the referee's already made the decision. I think they should have the ability to go, look, no, this is really bad. You need to look mm. at it now in the case of tackles. Mm. And yeah. I think if a referee, even the referee has made a decision, they should still be able to go. Because I think they're trying to make the referees ref the game, which they understand, but there should still be somebody higher up essentially going, no, you need to look at this. You need to look at it now mm. and make a decision. Yeah, I think the accountability is a big thing. I think having just the opportunity after a game to talk to the referee, just an interview, it can be a journalist. It doesn't have to be like AFTV interviewing the (laughs) the referee. But a journalist calmly asking, take us through this moment, take us through this moment. What was your thinking here? And we saw the Super Bowl last night, the referees announced to the whole stadium, as you said, like in rugby, it's not impossible to do. Um, Adam, do you think there'll be any kind of, major reform or major action taken after this weekend it seems like Howard Webb has at least he can you can shove your apology by the way it just makes me angrier but do you think there'll be any reform or any action taken um reform yes I, I don't know about necessarily action I think it'll be one that will be learnings from this kind of weekend and how can they make sure that they don't make that kind of consistent like refereeing decision cock up, I suppose. Um, but yeah, every time we talk about like how can referee evolve a game, and I think what they've got to do better is learn from the better referees that are out there and try and read how they kind of do the refereeing decisions. So interestingly, like the Polish referee that refereed the World Cup final. He's been deployed back into Qatar and Saudi Arabia because those referee associations want to learn about how he approaches the game mm. as well. He was so an I ex-footballer think, as well, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, he was an ex-footballer. That maybe is something yeah. worth tapping into because you can tell he knows the game. Yes, and yeah, and that seems to get a little bit respect for the players. Maybe that's an angle worth looking at. I mean, all right, you're not going to attempt an ex-Premier League footballer 100 grand a week. Uh, to go refereeing football matches, but maybe look at professionals who played at like League Two level mm-hmm. or National League level yeah. who see the real ugly side of it yeah, yeah, <laughs> and get them yeah, a career yeah. to maybe there be a bit more of a pathway. Or and a bit like with that Polish referee, import the best ref self from elsewhere. Like if the ones that we've got here 
aren't good enough. And I don't think they are, because when you look at the World Cup and you look at the nationalities of officials at the latter stages, the English ones weren't anywhere to be seen, really. No, 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 um, no. And I think that is always, it's same the Champions League as well, that's always a telltale sign of where that group of referees are in the mm-hmm. grandstanding of things. And I think maybe they have to look at it and go, well, if the Premier League clubs could just go by import the best talent, then why don't we do it on a refereeing level? Like, yeah, instead, the one we got from Australia is fucking awful. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> yeah, I think you can pick the right ones from abroad and it would massively, massively raise the level. But guys, we're going to, I think we're going to leave the Premier League there for now because we are running slightly over time. Very quickly, we have the return of European football this week. Super, super exciting. Champions League is back. Europa League is back. I'm very quickly going to take you through some games that we have on Tuesday or tonight as you're listening we have PSG taking on Bayern we have Milan versus Tottenham oh the city's going to be full of Spurs fans tomorrow I'm really (laughs) not looking forward to that Um, and then on Wednesday we have Club Bruges taking on Benfica and Dortmund taking on Chelsea and what is a massive test for Potter I saw that the Dortmund Stadium, the attendance has been increased finally. So it's going to be 82,000 Dortmund fans at that stadium. The atmosphere is going to be red hot. And then in the Europa League, where the cool kids hang out, on Thursday night, we have RB Salzburg taking on Roma, Barcelona taking on United, Ajax Union Berlin, who are mounting that mad title challenge mm-hmm. in Germany. Ajax, definitely not. We've got Shakhtar Donetsk taking on Rennes. And then we've got, oh God, all of it. Sevilla PSV, Sporting Midgetland, Juventus Nantes, and Leifakusa Monaco. Boys, which games are you looking forward to most this midweek? I'm going to give you two to pick. Um, Andy, let's start with you. Well, obviously the Manchester United-Barcelona game. I mean, yeah. that, that's a ludicrous game for it to be on a Thursday night. But yes. here we are. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I think the Liverpool-Real Madrid game, I think, will be... Um, they Those two have had some classic cash, clashes over the years. And I think that will be... Um, two, two teams not quite been at it this season as it, mm-hmm. uh, compared to normal. So I think that will be a good <clears> game to watch. Nice. Adam, what about you? I'm going to go for PSG versus Bayern Munich. Both clubs aren't in great sorts at the moment. And uh, if you saw the scenes of uh, PSG players being booed as they exited the training ground, that kind of summarises that club at the moment, despite the fact that they're five points ahead in the league. Um, But I just think it's going to be a fascinating tie because neither side's in form, but they've got qualities, they've got negatives should be good and as Andy alludes to I think actually Man United's Barcelona could be a really good match um, yeah, yeah. I'm really fascinated to see how Barcelona have they improved since the Champions League outing earlier this season I don't know um, but also from a Man United perspective if they can win this does that build a bit more positive momentum mm-hmm. going forward as well Really well, I'm going to say for my hipster's choice, I have to give the hipster's choice, Ajax versus Union Berlin, I think is yeah. going to be a really interesting one. If you've not seen Union Berlin, if you've not watched them, they're great fun to watch. So Absolutely good. tearing it up in the Bundesliga. And then for the Champions League, I'm just going to say Dortmund-Chelsea. I think that one is mm. going to be really, really fascinating. We know that Dortmund are more than capable of shit in the bed and Chelsea are more than capable of shit in the bed. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see who shits the bed the least. Um, but guys, anything to say before I let our viewers slash listeners go? 
No, but just to mention, Daniele De Rossi didn't last very long oh, at Spal. And yeah. uh, yes, he joins Fabio Cannavaro on the sidelines, no longer being a manager. And he's going to be potentially replaced by Massimo Oddo, if you remember him, the ex-AC wow. Milan right back. So he's got a hell of a job to pull him out because, yeah, it's very tight at the bottom of Serie B. So there yeah. you go. They are going to be joining the long list of Serie B teams that go straight. <laughs> it looks like Venezia right. are down there as well. I do have to say, Pojan Palo coming off the uh, coming off the pitch after scoring, I think, two yes. goals and then drinking a beer with yes. the fans. Yes. Big fan Beautiful. of that. Big fan of that. So, guys, as always, thank you for joining us. We will be back on Friday to discuss all that European football and preview all of the weekend football. We'll be talking about <laughs> Arsenal City if Arsenal win. If not, we'll be pretending it didn't happen. And we will see you on Friday, guys. As always, follow us on Twitter at Italian Anglo Pod, on Instagram at Anglo Italian Pod. And don't forget to like and subscribe down here. We will see you next time. Ciao, ciao. Podcast Network.